You're listening to Preach the Word with David Ryu, Sermon Archive. Well, please join me in a word of prayer. O God of the highest heaven, we bless you, Lord, for we do not forget all your benefits. You forgive all our iniquity. You redeem us from the pit. You crown us with steadfast love and mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love. Thank you, Lord, for when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, you made us alive with Christ and raised us with him. It is truly by grace alone that we have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, but it was a gift. You granted us eyes of faith when we were blind. You changed our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And you gave us new life by the work of your Spirit. And by that saving grace, we ask you, Lord, to cleanse us thoroughly of our attachments to worldly desires, worldly pursuits, and worldly ambitions. When we are prone to be distracted by fleeting temporal earthly ventures, chasten us by the misery of our prodigal ways and remind us of our great citizenship in heaven. And now as we seek to feast on your word, we ask your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, Prepare the soil of our hearts to receive and to retain the seed of thy word so that it would bear much fruit. All this we pray in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, last week we began a new sermon series through the book of Ephesians. It's truly one of the most elegant of letters that the Apostle Paul has written. It's a short little letter with only six chapters, but it's packed with timeless truths about God's eternal plan of salvation and the purpose and nature and design for his church. You know, Paul writes each sentence and each word with such care and intent that we have to pace ourselves and chew on each phrase and each thought. And so today I'll be focusing and preaching on just one verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. But I'm going to read from verse 3 all the way to verse 14 because in the original Greek text, verse 3 to 14 is one sentence. It is one long, long sentence. It's actually the longest sentence in the, in the Bible. Paul cared very little about the grammar police of his day. 
what he intended here was to write one long doxology of the reasons for which Christians must praise God. Unfortunately, these verses have generated a lot of controversy and division over things like predestination, election. But the purpose of this doxology and any doxology is not to generate debate, but to generate praise to God for who He is and what He has done for His people. And so with this context in mind, let us read Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 14, with a heart of praise. With a heart of praise and thanksgiving. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. This was the reading of God's word. See, that passage really begins and ends with praise. Praise is Paul's focus here. And praise is altogether natural for us human beings. Praise is not just something that religious people do at church. Everyone praises something or someone. We see thousands upon thousands of people gather 
in large stadiums to chant for their favorite sports teams. We see teenagers and grown adults alike pay a fortune to scream at their favorite K-pop concerts. We see superfans passionately talking about their favorite movies, their favorite shows, artists, actors, actresses. We see people raving and posting pictures of their favorite food, their favorite restaurants, favorite brands and travel destinations and sceneries. You see, these are all expressions of praise. People adoring their lovers, their dogs, their hobbies, their music, their coffee. People praise what they love and value and cherish. Praise is the engagement of our words, our thoughts, our emotions, and affections to express and to declare what we cherish most, what we desire most, what we enjoy most. This is altogether natural for human beings. Everyone praises something or someone. You see, we were created to praise. We were created to worship. It's in our very design. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 of the perverted reality that people have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and began to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator himself, who is truly worthy of eternal praise. This is the effect of sin upon our hearts. It's not that we can't express delight in the good things that God has given us, but when we delight and when we desire these good things more than we desire God, it becomes idolatry. We have replaced God as our object of praise and worship with other lesser things. John Calvin once famously said that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. We are innovative in making gods and idols out of anything and everything. For the Israelites, it was a, a golden calf. For the modern man and woman, it could be sex and beauty, money, entertainment, and the list goes on. And this is one of the, the fundamental issues that Paul sought to address in his ministry and through his letters. He wanted people to see that their object of praise was too small, too underwhelming, too transient. 
He wanted people to see that there is only one who is truly worthy of the highest and most eternal praise, the creator of life, the giver of all good gifts. And so Paul writes to the saints of Ephesus, a city full of idol worship. In every home was a statue of the pagan gods. Every street was filled with prostitution and brothels. It was a city for the wealthy, a land of opportunities and trade of exotic goods and endless amusement. It was a city filled with immorality, and it ruthlessly competed for the attention and praise of the saints. And Paul's first concern in his letter to the Ephesians is to remind them of the one who is truly worthy of their praise. He writes in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you use another English translation, like the ESV, you will find the more literal translation that reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word eulogetos can be translated as praise be or blessed be. It is actually an, an adjective that describes something about God. It describes God's praiseworthiness or, or, or blessedness. In effect, Paul is saying that God is worthy of praise, truly blessed. To praise God or to, or to bless God can mean the same thing. In the song, 10,000 Reasons, the chorus goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I'll worship Your holy name. You see here the idea of, of blessing God and praising God is the same thing. It means to speak a good word about God. Eulogetos shares the same root as the English word eulogy. You know eulogies? Eulogy is what you hear during funerals, right? It's a, it's a tribute of speaking a good word or speaking well of the person who we are remembering, the person who has passed away. Speaking a good word about God. But here's something really important that you need to know. The idea of God blessing us and us blessing God are entirely different. 
When we are blessing God, we are speaking a good word about Him in the sense that we are giving thanks to Him, exalting Him, praising Him. On the other hand, when, when God blesses us and He speaks a good word to us, He creates life by the power of His Word. And He sustains us with everything that we need by the promise in His Word. And friends, God does not need our blessing but the opposite is certainly true, isn't it? We desperately need and depend on His blessings to us. As a matter of fact, our blessing of, of God is always a response to His blessing to us first. We praise God and bless God because God has blessed us first. This order is important. And it was important to Paul. And so he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see? Our blessing, our praises to God is a response, an echo of gratitude back to God for His blessings and goodness to us. God, who is already infinitely blessed, imparts blessing to us by grace. And so with hearts of full gratitude and delight, we lift Him up, we exalt Him, and we worship Him. Now, there are three leading questions that I want to address about this verse. First, who are the recipients of this blessing? Two, what is the nature of this blessing? And then three, how can we receive this blessing? First question, who are the, the recipients of this blessing? On, uh, on social media, when you scroll through whatever media content, there is this really trendy hashtag going along and going around. You see women, they pose and they're in the bikini, on an exotic beach, and it's hashtag blessed. And then there's men who show off their six-pack abs and biceps after a workout in the gym, and it's hashtag blessed. Influencers put on their bling and their Gucci, their Louis Vuitton, and it's hashtag blessed. It seems more and more people feel blessed when they feel good, when they look good, when they have good things. They feel blessed when they get a new toy, a new car, 
a new house. They feel blessed when they find a new spouse, a new job, a new fad. But since when did blessing become a feeling? Since when did blessing become vanity? And since when did blessing become about the self and self-praise? You see, the world loves its vanity circus, praising themselves for their achievements, their appearance, their possessions. But they deceive themselves and they are ensnared by the devil. If there is no real concern for God, no fear of God, no praise to God. You see, God bestows universal and undeserved blessings to all people in the world. We call this, in theology, common grace. Theologian John Murray defined common grace as every favor of whatever kind or degree falling short of salvation, which this undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys at the hand of God. And Jesus said that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What Jesus meant was that godly and godless men and women alike can enjoy the things of this created world. The sun, the rain, food, friends, family, art, medical care, and every good gift, because ultimately every good gift is from above, coming down from the Heavenly Father. You see, all people enjoy the blessings of common grace, but it is only Christians who enjoy the superior blessings of special grace, special grace. Paul writes, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who is the us? The us refers to the saints, to the faithful found in verse 1. Paul addresses this letter to Christians who have been redeemed, who have been made holy by Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been truly blessed far beyond what this world could ever give you. Do not be envious of the world and its glamour for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? 
Do not love the world and the things of this world. For the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from God. Do not set your love and hopes in things that are quickly perishing and passing away. For the vanity circus makes promises of satisfaction, promises of happiness, but they are empty promises that will leave you feeling hollow. Do not fall for the great deception from the evil one that God has somehow withheld something good from you as if he does not have his, his best, your best interest in mind. For if earthly fathers can give good gifts to his children, how much more would the heavenly father give good gifts to his beloved sons and beloved daughters? You see, the devil will try to tempt you with the allures of the world. Just as the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness. And like Jesus, we must stand firm in God's word and in his promises to us. Because, beloved, you are blessed. You are truly blessed beyond your wildest imagination. And so the next question is, then what is the nature of this blessing that Paul describes? Well, under the old covenant era, God's blessing to his people were often shown by prosperity of land, livestock and crop but these material blessings were just a shadow of the superior and everlasting blessings to be fully revealed and they were fully revealed under the new covenant in Jesus Christ this is a kind of blessing that is eternal and not just temporal. In the second half of verse 3, Paul tells us that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What are these heavenly and spiritual blessings? Well, from the, from the context of, of verse 3 to 14, Paul has, at least in mind, the special grace of God's love in, in choosing an election of his people, predestination unto adoption into his family, full redemption and forgiveness of sins through Christ, lavishing of grace and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, And of course, this is not an exhaustive list. The blessing includes all conceivable gifts of salvation. I love how John Piper put it. 
God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, that is, every blessing that heaven can conceive for the eternal happiness of God's people. End quote. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are destined for every good and conceivable blessing that heaven can offer us. This is our destiny. But I know that sometimes when we, when we think about heaven, we can be tempted to reduce it to some intangible and immaterial reality of, of bliss in a far and distant future. But when Paul speaks of heaven, he also has in mind a very tangible and very physical reality of the new heaven and the new earth. New resurrected and imperishable bodies and endless pleasures to be enjoyed. And we can presently and daily experience a foretaste of this future reality as we are indwelt and led by the Holy Spirit each day. We experience the fruit of love, joy, and peace. As we are saturated in God's Word, we rest in His promises and we find immediate gospel assurance. As we live in community with God's church, we experience the presence of Christ through His body, and we get a glimpse of what heaven will be like, a fellowship of saints and with God forever. But the greatest gift of all, I would argue, dear brothers and sisters, is, is not heaven. The greatest gift of all is the giver. You see, the greatest gift to the believer is God himself. The very source of all blessings. I want you to notice the Trinitarian language that Paul uses here in this verse. It is first the God, the Father, who has blessed us. In Christ, the Son, through the Holy Spirit. The blessing is spiritual in the sense that they are administered and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. And all three persons of the Trinity give themselves to us and are committed in the work of blessing us. And so we are invited into a relationship with this triune God. We are welcomed into the perfect community of the Trinity. And this is why we must praise our triune God from whom all blessings flow. 
The final question then is, how can we receive this blessing? Last week I mentioned to you that the Apostle Paul's favorite phrase is, in Christ. He uses it, or its equivalent, 36 times in Ephesians, in a total of 164 times throughout all his letters in the New Testament. In fact, this is very interesting to think about it, Paul never even uses the word Christian anywhere. Because for Paul, being in Christ is really the essence of what it means to be a Christian. Being in Christ is Paul's description of a Christian. Paul uses it here in verse 3, every spiritual blessing in Christ. What he means is that only by being united to Christ, only by being joined to Christ, being one with Christ, can a person receive all blessing. And vice versa, apart from Christ, there is no blessing. You know, I really hit the jackpot by marrying my wife, because getting married to Anne came with many blessings, okay? It was a three-in-one deal. I got three things in one. I got an amazing wife, a mother to my kids, and my own personal chiropractor. And by marrying Anne, I gained an incredibly loving father and mother. Her parents are just amazing. And they really treat me like their own son. I really count all my blessings being married to Anne. You see, by virtue of my union with Anne, I get everything that she is. And I benefit from everything that she has. In the same way, by virtue of our union with Christ, His resources becomes our resources. His inheritance becomes our inheritance. His righteousness becomes our righteousness and his father becomes our father. Isn't it true that Christ is the Lord of heaven? Isn't it true that he is the ruler of all the galaxies and stars? Then what does this mean for you if you are in Christ? It means that all that is Christ's in heaven and all creation is yours. All of creation, all of heaven, 
is yours because Christ is yours. And you are Christ's. This is what it means to be in a union with Christ. Friends, every heavenly and spiritual blessings can be yours today, right now, if you would unite yourself to Jesus Christ by faith. He is offered to you in the gospel. This is the good news. Turn away from your sin and self-righteousness. Renounce your life of vanity and emptiness and cleave to Christ who was crucified so that you might be forgiven, restored, and adopted. Cling to the Savior by faith and receive all his benefits. Do not look for God's blessing anywhere else. There is no other fount of blessing. Only Christ. Only in Christ. And so, beloved church, be encouraged by this. That we are on our way to glory. Our destination is set for heaven. And on our journey there, let us sing and bless the Lord with each new day. Let us give never-ending praise to God from whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and we praise you, we bless you, God, for you have given us every and all heavenly and spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. I don't know why we deserve this. We don't. It is completely undeserved. Simply by the grace of God, from the overflow of your love, you've given to your children. We thank you. We pray that, God, you keep our hearts from comparing ourselves with the world because the world does not have what we have. The world does not know blessing like we know blessing, a true and everlasting blessing to be found in Christ, to be enjoyed forever for all eternity in heaven. I pray that, God, that we might grow to anticipate this fullness of blessing in heaven. And let us praise you for all that you've done for us, all that you promised for us. We praise you, God, from whom all blessings flow. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.